We have a saying in our culture, in our company that says you can't teach what you don't know and you can't lead where you won't go. So one of the, the best things a sales leader can do is really be willing to be in the trenches with their team. We don't grow when it's easy, right? So I would challenge everybody like, are you really doing the hard thing? And so for most of us, we've got, we've got it pretty easy. And he said, when we get used to things being easy, it's not that uh, we're able to do more hard things. Our bar for what's hard gets lower. Welcome to the Urban Income Show. We speak with minority CEOs, CMOs, CTOs, founders, and other executives to learn about their strategies for success. I'm your host, Lavalta Chester, the CEO of Growth Skills and Urban Income. Today's episode features Marjorie Dudley. Marjorie is an elite sales performance coach with Southwestern Consulting. She has over 20 years of sales training experience, helping sales leaders and executives accomplish their goals. I call Marjorie myself sensei because she literally taught me about sales and negotiation. And when I was going to get this really big chief marketing, marketing officer job, um, I hired her to help me and uh, be successful. And, you know, I applied what she taught me and we'll get into this. And it really changed uh, the performance of that company. I actually saved that company um, from going out of business. And um, it saved me and, and my family in like ways I can't even, I'll try to describe. Um, but Marjorie, welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here with you. This is awesome. Yeah, it's long overdue because like I was telling you this, um, people need to invest in themselves and, and, and it's not, it's not your company's Mark Twain said this, and, and I, I take, I live by this. You never let school and get in the way of your education, right? And so yeah, for me, I'm always about learning, growth skills, all that stuff. But like my, my goal in life, my career goal in life was to be a chief marketing officer. It's like the top of the marketing pillar. I developed the skills all the way up to become that. And then the company that I was going into was a sales focused one. And I understand myself. I, I know I, I was doing executive sales, part of the pitch team for big advertising agencies, but that's the end result. I didn't know the sales process. And so when I met you through a mutual friend, right, um, a referral, and yep. consider this, everyone listening to you, I am your mutual friend. I am referring Marjorie to you. If I, I'm co-signing my sales sensei because she like she changed the game for me and my family. So that's why I want to, I, I think it's long overdue to have you on the show. Thanks. Um, I'm, we'll start with there. How do you introduce yourself? I'm Marjorie Dudley. I'm a, a sales and leadership coach, executive coach with Southwestern Consulting. I'm also a team leader. So I've been in the trenches with all those leaders who've had to recruit and source talent and onboard people and and also find ways to win through other people. And that's actually one of my favorite parts as well is working through teams to get 
things done, sales goals and big vision and that kind of thing. And, so, and you're, yeah, you're incredible at your job. Um, what's your background? What do you identify from a gender standpoint? Yep. So um, female and uh, my background, I actually went to undergrad for graphic design. Okay. And while I was in the graphic design program there, I saw a sign in the lobby for an internship program that connected me with this company back as a 19 year old kid. So we have an internship called Southwestern Advantage and they run you through a sales boot camp. And that sales boot camp, then they send you to another part of the country to sell books door to door, door to door for your summer and, and run a retail business. So you really get a crash course in entrepreneurship as well as sales, as well as communication. And uh, that's actually what changed the, the course of my career. I thought I was going to be an artist. I thought I was going to be, you know, in your neck of the woods in New York, maybe uh, creating pretty pictures and pretty designs and pretty packaging. And this sales thing just caught my, I just caught the sales bug. I loved that in sales, you can write your own ticket and there is a lot of freedom and flexibility. Um, what I really love is it's always a challenge. There is no finish line or goalpost. There might be goals along the way, but you are always, always learning and growing. And so I too am a lifelong learner and this has been by far been the most rewarding and the most challenging thing that I've ever done. So two things there. You said, so write your own ticket for anyone listen, listening. Me, that means that you could set how much money you actually want to make as a salesperson, based okay. on you, you got your your base, right? And then you, this is why, like, I probably would have started at sales, but you got your base, yeah. Um, and then you've got the things that you sell, and then you get commission off what you sell, and that means that if you work, 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 you could just you could you know unless they cap you, which if you're a smart sales you that you won't won't really get capped. Right. Um, there's things that you could hit like president's club, all that kind of stuff, but like you could literally dictate your own paycheck based on, on your hustle. And anyone's like, Oh, my hustler, like, bro, you will see at the end of the month, if, if that's you, if you get into, into sales and, and, uh, and I've known, yeah, I mean, I've, I've done the big advertising thing and I would say that. When I when I got into proper sales where there was a commission structure, I made the most money in my in my life. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> and and one of the things that you do so well is you are such a student. I would say it's work and learn, right? But you can't learn without doing the work, right? You won't. You can't learn from a book. There's a, you know, you have to learn and do, yeah. and so it's work and learn. And then there's there's a mindset component in there too. So there's a huge mindset component that can be our our lever, or it can also be our governor. And so is it is it propelling us forward or holding us back? And I've experienced both sides of that, right? I've experienced where my mindset is absolutely helping me, and I've experienced where my mindset's holding me back. So to be successful in in sales and probably really anything, it's it's the hustle. It's the lifelong learner, and it's really that belief, conviction, vision, what's between your ears. 
Absolutely. And before we move on, is that internship program still open at, 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 at Southwestern? It is. It is. If you reach out to me, I'll get you information. You can also just look it up online. It is amazing. One of the, the top kids last year made over $200,000 as a college I'll, student. I bet. And, and they're still pulling doors? They are still pulling doors. They transition. Honestly, like I would love to take that internship just to pull a yeah. door. Like yeah. I've never pulled it. I've never walked in on a business and like I'm in this or or a home and like I'm going to sell you something. Yes, probably, it was uh, wild, and and it was if he followed the plan, the plan penciled right. Like if he got creative or wanted to do it your way. But they, I mean, they've been around almost 170 years. I think 2025 will be 170 years, so 168. So they've really got it locked and loaded. But it is, it is the single best thing a college kid could do for themselves, even if they don't go into sales. I just moved to Florida right. and I've been calling a lot of alumni just to make some local connections. I talked to an attorney yesterday, and I mean, this attorney was the most um, analytical, like a lot of times what we think of the opposite of a typical salesperson. And he was talking about all the ways that it, this internship helped him become a better attorney, have more confidence, have uh, better communication skills, even just understand the sales process. You and I were talking about sales before this too, talking about really everything is a sale. You know, teaching is a sale. Being married, <laughs> there's there's lots Absolutely. of skills that even in a you know in a marketing role or in an accounting role, there are little sales every every single day. So, absolutely, like we get a lot of people who do search engine optimization that listen to us, and in that realm, your sale is the value of what you're doing for the company on all that but there's also this other value of making friends within the org within the dev and the engineer team to actually get your stuff implemented right so there's sales is is everywhere and and i think what i told you too is like as a baby and i watch i watch my daughter reina um i think we come out and once you hit a toddler you start sales and negotiation that's just what we're born to do yeah. So Raina pushes the boundaries. No, you can't do this. And, oh, that's an objection, but maybe. And right. then it's like, it's this inner, it, like, this thing we're born with. I'm, yeah. I'm living through it. Out of people, yeah. And then, yeah, and then then the world sort of, like, like, forces the rules on you and then makes it like, oh, this is so scary or this is bad to, to sell and all. That's all all life is, is a sale. And the other skill, obviously, I think you need to learn is, is marketing. Um, what advice would you give to um, to the top three things to make you a better salesperson? So I, to make you a better salesperson, I actually think go hard, right? Like go go to the hard sale, um, go to the hardest opportunity you can find, immerse yourself with the people that are doing the hard thing really, really, really well. They're That's good. one of the blessings, the, the company I get to work with. I get to keep, uh, I get to be in proximity to people that have, have done incredible, amazing things. And that helps me sharpen the saw. Good. I could certainly go somewhere where it's easier. Um, but 
we don't grow when it's easy, right? Yeah. So, so I would challenge everybody, like, are you really doing the hard thing? There's a book called The Comfort Crisis. Um, it kind of hit me like a, a ton of bricks. And he talked about how when things get easier and we've kind of got easy, most of us, I don't want to overgeneralize, but most of us kind of have easy lives. We go to the grocery store for our food. We turn the temperature up or down in our house. We have a car that gets us anywhere. Uh, and and so for most of us, we've got we've got it pretty easy. And he said, when we get used to things being easy, it's not that uh, we're able to do more hard things. Our bar for what's hard gets lower. Mm. Yeah. So in sales in particular, if you know, find ways to challenge yourself, whether in sales or outside of sales, but do something hard. Um, continuously be learning and studying. Uh, one of the examples that comes to mind, I wasn't necessarily an athlete, but I did, I did run track, I did swim. And, you know, I had a little bit of choir, I had a little bit of theater. And you think of when you're a middle school or high school kid, what the hours that you put into that activity, right? Before and after school in your front yard, in your backyard with your friends, different clinics or summer, you know, practices. And then here we are, we're all professionals, we're all in the real world. And are we even coming close to practicing our craft or a part of our craft a fraction of the time when, when it really matters? Are we putting in the practice to, to practice our craft or the effort to practice our craft even a fraction of the time as we did when we were a high school kid on the track team? Right. When frankly, it didn't really matter. I mean, obviously life skills, but you know, I wasn't going to be a track star. So I, it, are we doing that? So the, the practice, the studying, finding a part, if you're, um, if you're in sales, what are you doing to increase your closing percentage or get in front of more people? And how are you practicing that part of the process? Um, so, and then, and then how are you working on your vision? One of the things that I'm, I'm really working on as of late is becoming obsessed with my vision and my goals. Uh, the, the best of the best really have this obsession with what they want. Mm -hmm. They think about it all the time. And so I don't have that kind of an obsessive personality, but I'm working to cultivate that obsession with what What do you want? What And, and that's a lot of what the coaching work that I do with people is helping them really get clarity around what they want and not just putting that on a shelf for later, but making sure that you're thinking about it, that it's your subconscious is working on it. So those would be the the three things that I would say are probably the most important. Yeah, that that's incredible. Um, and then when from um, so we talked about being good at sales. How about being a sales leader and managing a sales team? Because it's a different skill set. Yeah. We have a saying in our culture, in our company that says you can't teach what you don't know and you can't lead where you won't go. So one of the the best things a sales leader can do is really be willing to be in the trenches with their team. That Mm -hmm. might look a little bit different based on the structure of different organizations, but how are you leading either what you know or getting to know what you're leading 
And how are you teaching from a place? Actually, you and I talked about this recently. Like, how are you teaching from a place of having actually done it and not just theory? Yeah. So I think that that's crucial. If you are leading a team of people that are doing something you've never done before, are you sitting with them? Are you shadowing them to get to know it? Because we can't, we can't really lead from theory. I would also say that good leaders are incredibly humble. Uh, one of, you know, I've, I have two leaders that I really look up to in, in our organization, Dana and Ron, and I talk to them regularly. And they are two of the most humble people you will ever know. They welcome feedback. Good leaders welcome feedback. They want feedback. They want to get better. Uh, they are not just there holding steady and going like, hey, I've arrived. They're they're pushing to be their best self in all areas of their life. Right. So if if leaders come humble, if leaders lead from a place of example, and then also leaders have to be hungry. You know, leaders actually have to be the hungriest person in the room. Um, we have another kind of cliche saying, but it comes out a lot of my coaching calls that your people will do half what you do right and twice what you do wrong. <laughs> so it's it, kind of kids too, right? We both have kids. Like yeah. <laughs> you got to lead your kids from example, right? You got to lead. Yeah, nothing will humble you like parenting either. But if if we're not the hungriest people in the room, we can't expect our team to be hungrier than we are. Absolutely. Yeah. We can't expect our team, you know, if we're not putting in the hours or the work or the effort or the study or the, vision casting or the goal setting or the sticking to the goals or the personal conferences, they're not going to do it. So those would be the, you know, humble and hungry and, and just experiential lead by example mentality. Yeah, no, that's, in, that's incredible. And I think, um, I think your advice is priceless. It has been priceless to me because when I met you, I was taking on, you know, my dream job of being a chief marketing officer. And, um, and you know, I, they did outsource sales as a, they were, well, they were developing what that was as a service for clients. And so I was like, oh, you know what? I'm a marketing guy. I know that, but I probably need a sales sensei. So I worked with you and then I was working on my contract at the time with them. And I was like, hey, and you're like, what else do you need? I was like, yeah, how about negotiation? And then, you know, you told me to read Never Spit the Difference. Great and, then, boss. and then, like, we practiced our script. And that was the most uncomfortable thing in the world. Like, writing out a script, da, 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 all that stuff. And, yo, I got the the best result out of that. Because at the end of, of, of that journey... Yeah. And, and, and when you jump, when you land as like a chief marketing officer immediately, and first of all, I, I, I went in and asked the right questions about from the sales team and the marketing, what was going on? And it was classic warfare sales between marketing and all that stuff. So I was able to show up obviously for the marketing team, but for the sales leads and, and they're like, oh, this is not just another marketing clown that, that has lofty goals. He's going to help us make some money. And and then it was just unison with that with that sales team. And it was all because of, of the training and the learning that I learned from you, the ability to see 
and break down the process and optimize each of each part of the yeah. step and all of that. And but then let me the pick apart like what you what you described, so many people aren't willing to do. So let me let me point out what part of the process was actually the magic is we we talked about a process to follow for negotiation. Mm-hmm. But just like if you were on a, you know, football team and you guys learned a new play or if, if you were in a theater troupe and you got a new script, you're not going to go out on stage or in a in game time and execute that thing flawlessly without practice. Right, right. And I've coached a lot of people over the years and the amount of times that, you know, I've offered or worked with folks to say like, hey, practice this conversation and record it and then we'll dissect and debrief it together. Like let's actually script it out. Sometimes scripts is a dirty four letter word for a lot of people in sales because, oh, I don't want to sound like a robot. I'm like the only way you don't sound like a robot is if you practice, right? If you yeah, exactly. So you 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 didn't just like hear that and go yeah yeah and then move on. You heard that. You wrote it out. You recorded yourself practicing it. I can I can remember. I actually have a vivid memory. Uncomfortable. I well no no no. You remember the uncomfort discomfort? Yeah. You were yeah. in, I, I right now. Like like the visual how uncomfortable it is. It's so funny. But I can remember the seat I was sitting at, at my kitchen table with my headphones on, listening to your recording and taking notes on like, this is great. You know, try this question, make sure, you know, and, and because you, you did it, you did the practice, you did the study, you did the homework. You didn't just have an idea and then go like, I, your idea didn't go to like idea jail and like die there. Your idea actually turned into action. And so that is the difference. Like, I think there's brilliance in all of us. The, the difference from that brilliance yielding, you know, seven figures or that brilliance yielding our fullest potential really is in the, the action that we take. Not just once, but consistently. I want to put a question back on you. When you think about, you know, the trajectory of your career, your career growth. Yeah. Would you identify as as like, yeah, I I take a lot of action. Oh, absolutely. Thousand percent. I know the answer to that. (laughs) And and this is the thing, too. Like when I say I do like full contact you know, growth for, for my clients. It's like, that comes from my yes. time, my black belt and my time. Cause like I grew up in a karate school and when I, and the difference is like, people are like, yeah, I do. I, I, I did it as a kid. When I fought bare knuckle karate, there is the first experience was very much like my sensei was like, yo, you want to go fight? I was like, sure. When I showed up, I got, I hit the guy. And he was like this huge dude, part of the Polish team. I hit him and I thought I broke my hand. And the rules are you got a mouthpiece, no headgear, no shin guards and a cup. And and then I was like, I'm not prepared for this. I have the heart to fight, but I'm not prepared for this. And then he hit me and then he left knuckle prints. And I fast forward, I survived that without getting knocked out. And then I trained 
thousand percent brutality. I had the big advertising job. And then I was just knocking people out left and right. And then there's a video of that online. And what that yeah, taught me, I know that. Yeah, the, what that taught me is that there's like that like if you don't want to accept if you don't want to be in the game or accept the game, first of all, if you're gonna be in the game, if you're gonna sell or you're gonna do marketing, be the best at that. And the right. only way you can be the best at that is finding an expert. The way I was very good at fighting is because I had a sensei who was very good at fighting. And I just listened to him. Right. And then I did my homework. So imagine when I get into sales, and then the same way I think about search engine optimization. When I got into sales, you're my sales sensei. Whatever you, if you told me to roll, do a roll, a jump, hop over, read the book, I'll do a roll, a jump, hop over, and I'll read the book. Like I just listen based on your experience. And well, your now I know I'm going to get a little more creative in our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Please, you have to introduce us, though. That was his strength, too. is just go go to go to work now again work in sales work in market like it's gonna uh-huh. look a little different but it's like don't let the ideas die on the vine take the, action and so execution of what you told me and 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 it also brings like no one could ever say when they get into any type of fight confrontation they're not they're not uncomfortable you get used to that uncomfortable and what when when you made me or suggested that I do this and I took the action, oh, it was so uncomfortable. And then I just kept moving forward and it's like dragging one foot at a time. And then you get- We fall to the lowest level of our, like we don't, we don't rise to- You fall to the lowest level of your training. That's what it is. Like you're the fault. If, 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 If something blew up, you fall to the lowest level of your panic training yeah. And in warfare, it's like look around, like exit or execute. Or in sales, it's like that's why scripts matter, in my opinion. And it's not even a script. Like I've sold so much search engine optimization. That I got my jokes that I could use. I got everything. So it becomes this natural thing that I'll know will work. And it's not like a script. It, it is. It's just default settings that I know will work and I could I could fall back on even if I get stumped. I could like adjust and catch myself and, and you know, it's that, it's that kind of thing. And your sales training has been, and, and yeah, it's just, it's just incredible. And I'm honored I think, to be your sales sensei. But also for what, what, for everyone who's listening, when you think about building and growing a company, now Marjorie is teaching my, uh, our growth skills is chief operating officer and our head of SEO. Um, in and content who, who resides in Bulgaria and, and we're opening up an office in Bulgaria and without the coach that you've contact put yep. in contact with her like the mindset everything to prep like it's a no one none of us has launched an office or or, or, or built a company that is in a country outside of the right. US we just haven't done that in our careers even though I've worked for businesses that have that, right? It's just a different thing. So you have to have that, even though it's uncomfortable. Well, that willingness for outside perspective. Right. I don't I don't know of anybody, and here's another common, you know, saying. So if you know who said it, credit them. But it's like we don't become the best version of ourselves by ourselves. All of our coaches have coaches. Like all of um 
We've co- we coach billionaires, we coach multi-multi-millionaires, we coach people that are just getting started. You can't come, become the best version of yourself by yourself because we're we're automatically biased because we see things through our lens and our set of experiences. Absolutely. We need that outside perspective to kind of challenge the narrative. Like we all have a narrative. Some of ours has a little bit more, you know, garbage in it. Some of us maybe is a little more serving and positive, but we all have a narrative. And so if we're not getting that outside perspective, we're not being challenged to like level up that, that narrative. Um, I can think of, of one person recently who specifically got a coach, even though they're hitting all their goals, mm-hmm. they're almost like, well, if I'm hitting all my goals then that I'm not thinking big enough, like I need someone to actually help me think even bigger because if I'm just like going along and so it was it was that really cool epiphany that sometimes we need a coach because something's challenging. Sometimes we need a coach because we need accountability. Sometimes we need a coach because, you know, we need to work on a particular skill set. But sometimes we need a coach because things are great. And we need that outside perspective to go like, how can I get even better when things are great? How can I grow? I have this um during COVID, I was wa- I was watch I was going to church in my living room as probably many people did, and our priest was giving the sermon and he talked about um, growing and serving. Like we're here to grow and serve, and I believe innate in every human is this desire to grow and serve. And if we're not growing, we're not happy, and if we're not serving, we're not happy. And we may not know it. It may not, we might, you know, we might have all the stuff, but it's just, I mean, I've coached also a lot of wealthy clients who are miserable because they have stuff, but, you know, maybe they've lost that serving piece or maybe they've lost that growing piece. And he just said, we're here to grow and serve. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And it dawned on me that you cannot, you cannot grow without serving. You cannot serve without growing. And so if we're just going along hunky-dory without that growth, wherever you are, just starting or the top of your field, what are you doing right now to grow? What are you doing right now to grow? And that's what I love about, you know, the, the relationship we've had is you've got, you like, you, you always, I mean, your company grows, right? Like you, you, (laughs) you've built growth into your vernacular. And so that's, that is where I feel passionate is helping everybody find ways that they can plug in to their growth wherever you are like you know i'll ask you this i'll ask you this um do you think that so from a woman from a female perspective Do you think there are challenges between men and women in sales and what advice, if so, what advice would you give to women in sales? Yeah, it's really interesting. I've had an interesting career trajectory in sales where when I started in college in sales with Advantage, Southwestern Advantage, there was a lot of female selling and doing really well. And so I never felt that stigma. And then after college, I worked at both Paychex and Lamar corporately. Also a lot of strong females always in the leaderboards. And then I came, uh, there's only one organization that I spent uh, a few years at 
where it was all men. And that was the only time I've ever felt like not one of the gang, I guess you'd, you'd say. Because um, mm-hmm. then I came back to Southwestern. And again, we have a ton of strong female leadership. We have senior partners and founding partners that are females. We have, you know, females consistently um, in, in top 10 in leadership in, in our team. Um, I would say that there can be some interesting dynamics. And and I think it's important because we're in the work of what you what you focus on, you get more of. So there's a balance that I hold where I, I don't want to pretend things don't exist. Like, I don't think it does any good to sweep disparities or things under the rug. But I also, there's also an element that if, if we tell ourselves that, you know, this particular criteria I can't change, like woman, I'm going to be a woman, this thing is holding me back, then, then we actually tend to see things through that lens and something that just might be this person's an idiot now becomes a story. They're holding it against me because I'm a female or something like that. So it it is a, it is a, it is a balance to strike to, um, you know, just make sure that we're focusing on more of what we want and, and being cautious of that. Um, but I've, I've seen some things I've had clients. Um, I had a client who, actually wanted a female male client who wanted a female coach because he grew up with a single mom and all sisters and his team was all females and there was nothing you know weird about it he was just like you know I'm honestly more comfortable working with females I've had another client that um we actually did a, a coach switcheroo because it really just felt like he saw me as his daughter and not as his you know partner for helping him grow mm-hmm. um I don't take either of those scenarios from like a misogynistic place. I just, I think we're all humans and we're all a little bit flawed and we're all a little bit biased and we're all a little bit like, we just have our set of experiences. Um, But I I will say also, I've been very fortunate because I do know that there are some environments. Can I, can I just double click on that? Not taking it personal. What in the moment helps you do that? Because I think that, there's a lot of that and what I think this is a weird thing to say, but it's true. I'm black. I, but I, because I'm, I, I was born in South America and I came here. Um, and I didn't have like the black American mindset. Which some of my friends had, and honestly, my, my, one of my best friends growing up, he was like, the difference between you and our other friend, I won't mention his name, is that the other friend was black American and he had all the trappings. I won't apply for this job because I would never get it because I'm black. Yeah. I just like people would follow me around the store, right? Normally, but I I didn't think it was because I was black, right? I didn't have that lens on it. So it's only until later on, recently, honestly, like, you know, that you realize that, oh, these things happen because, right? So like, and then, 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 then there's a choice, mm-hmm. right? How do you react to it? So when I came into advertising, then I was like, oh, okay, that happened probably because of da, 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 but I'd never let it limit me. Yeah. 
And, and I, that's, I that was sort of my upbringing, but like, I don't, I don't necessarily, that's not everyone's upbringing, right? So like, what, what would, what advice would you, would you give to people, yeah. women in that scenario to not and, take it personal and then just destroy your, your potential, right? Right. And, and obviously I haven't all, had all the experiences. I've just had my experiences and many of them have been very fortunate, but there's, I was just listening to, um, it was referenced in Radical Candor by Kim Scott, and they talked about um, changing interview processes to do something that's a, a blind process. So they specifically referenced an orchestra, I want to say in New York, but when they started blind interviewing just on like a tape that someone sent in, not like of their playing, not of seeing the person, the uh, number of females hired for the orchestra went up fivefold. So they just this was just referenced in Radical Candor. So we know by things like that, that there are biases that absolutely exist. Um, what you have to do about it, I think it starts with doing whatever you can to surround yourself with people who have risen above that set of biases and circumstances. So if you're a female and you're feeling like I'm always skipped over a promotion because I'm female, how can you get in groups of strong female leaders who are uh, who have over either overcome or are seeing things from a different lens? How can you expose yourself to mm -hmm. a to an alternative story? Because right. it really is about the stories we tell ourselves. It's less about the reality, even though the realities are there, and sometimes they're frustrating and upsetting. How can you be around those people? That would be the first thing. Also, real quick, it's not yep. to suppress any reality that's actually happening and that that needs to be called sure. out and like taken action on to check someone who's doing something appropriate. Absolutely. Right? That's what we're talking about. Yeah. I mean, because opposite ends of the extreme are are like the the silence narrative where we say nothing. Right. But a, attaching a story to mm -hmm. ourselves is powerful. We want to make sure the stories that we're attaching ourselves, and this is for anything. I was just with another group that works with a lot of foster kids. I've worked with groups in the past that work um, with prison inmates who are about to be released, and the recidivism rates are really high. So it's not necessarily um, you know minorities, whether race or ethnicity or skin color or gender. It's it's all the things that start to make us the other, mm -hmm. and then we attach the story. So speaking of the convict piece for a second, their single highest rate of recidivism is when they go back to their old friends, basically going back to people with the same story. What's recidiv recidivism mean? Uh, when convicts end up back in the prison okay. system. Got it. Right? So, or when foster kids, um, kids who are in foster care, obviously they age out of the system, but then don't have the support network to juvie. Yeah. Well, they, they'd actually go to, yeah. But so, so it's, how do you surround yourself? And that's sometimes also easier said than done. If all you mm -hmm. know is foster care and poor support system, how do you get around those people? Right. Yeah. If all you know is, so I get that it's easier said than done. This is where uh, lifelong learner doesn't have to be expensive. Audible costs 15 bucks a month. The library is free. A, a surround yourself and immerse yourself in ideas of people who are overcoming. Um, 
overcomer stories are the best. This is why I actually love the comfort crisis. There's there's actually some there, there's actually a lot of like when people have overcome hard things, their their launch tends to be a lot bigger because once yeah. you can crack that overcoming code, you can then apply it to anything. Yeah, and then you influence so many people. And so there's there's two things. So just real quick on the radical candor one, and that's a, and then yeah. I'm going to read the other book that you just mentioned. So on radical candor, one one thing that I learned, someone told me this, is and I I witnessed this. That's why it was so profound for me. People, some people use radical candor to just rip into rip into people, right? So what someone else told me, and her name is Lisa. She said radical candor with kindness. I was like, yes. Yes, that's yeah. it. Because there is a way to deliver that candor, and some people use it as a tool to just rip into people, yeah. right? And, and actually, that's, that's not radical candor. That's aggressive. I well, forget the word for it, but they they do. They use it as a scapegoat. Yeah, oh, I'm but, just being, but, but I'm why just being is that? Because they use radical candor as yeah. the word and the yeah. book, and the reason they were saying sure. that I'm like, damn, that's yeah. that is destructive. Yeah. Um, and then I think the other, your other point on, um, on learning from anywhere, like people like, yes, we're growth skills. We have a learning, learning center for certain things. You have a learning center for certain things, but YouTube as is a hundred percent free. <laughs> there's, there's all sorts oh, of things yes. online that you could learn. And then it, it really just comes down to execution, right? You could have the desire but will you execute? Will you actually actually apply it? And um, and yeah, so. And the reality is-, is, if you look at some of the most successful people in the world, in the country, they've had some incredible obstacles that they've had to overcome. Right. Incredible obstacles. You look at, yeah. you know, love or hate the, the personalities of like Oprah or Tony Robbins or whoever. They've gone through some insanely difficult things in their life. There is power in that overcoming. So even shifting um, shifting the lens, Tony Robbins always talks about reframing. It's an NLP, neuro-linguistic programming technique, mm-hmm. but really reframing whatever hap- is happening to you is actually happening for you. Now, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean everything is good, but what it yeah. means is good can come from everything. To your point, we still don't sweep under the rug when we see injustices, but reframing it, and and this is this is hard. I had an opportunity to reframe something, and thankfully I had an outside perspective that I was talking through a particular situation, but I had an opportunity to reframe something where I felt really like wronged by something. Hmm? I don't know if you, you've ever felt wronged by something or something. <laughs> Maybe, maybe somebody listening, maybe that's happened. And I was talking through, because we were going through some of these NLP techniques, and I'm like, well, how do I reframe this? And so he's asking me all these questions, and I was like, dang. And I was able to reframe it in a way that it wasn't, it was no longer holding me back, but it was actually now a a kind of a trampoline to help me jump forward. And this is why I actually think the most successful people in the world have had their share of really difficult stuff for sure because they've learned the it's a skill it's a learnable you know it's a learnable skill to overcome that which is thrown at you that you don't want or like you know those who have it easy tend to kind of have these cush lives and they tend to hang out in average land 
I would say this not to simplify. It's like objection handling if you're a salesperson, right? Yeah. Just, that's a very simplification. There's an objective, then uh, and then you handle that. Yep. Um, objection, and then you handle that, right? Yep. So that I want to. I'll. I mean, we went down a very great path um, that I actually really, really love. I didn't think we would talk about all these things, and I never. I never told this story about um, the difference I feel being yep. definitely black in America, but just not born here, right? That I've never told anyone, you know, on this show about that. So it thank you. Again, thank you for bringing it up. This is why you're an excellent coach. Just in our, in our, this is what I want to tell people too. Like, just we'll have a conversation and you'll help me just make decisions on things that I've been just like mulling over for whatever reason. Um, and just talking to you just brings up the clarity and, and the right questions. You, 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 you help me answer the right questions, execute decisions, execute done business moves forward. Right. Yep. A, a career when we're in career mode is like, yeah, my career moved forward as, as a chief being, being able to excel as a chief marketing officer. But then when it comes to now I'm running my own business and then I've got not only people and families that depend on me, which is just a different, I'm, I'm the guy that, that, that builds the strategy and all these things for these okay. people that all that depend on me. But then I've got other executives are that are in varying levels of skill in their career and just points in their career, not, not levels of skill because, you know, they have skills that I do not have. My brother has a, a, a our chief operating officer has a, a level of finance skill that I will never have. And I don't want it. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's but, you know, and, 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 and his, you helped his brilliant shine when yeah. he put together what he just, the financials and the forecasting. I was like, God damn, this is like, at other companies that I was an employee for, yeah. I was saying like, yo, we should run it this way. And they were like, oh, we should run it this way. And then no one was able to give me a P and I'll explain it's a P and L, a profit and loss by, so you'll have your company profit and loss. But I have always needed to see, right? Especially when yeah. I was a CMO, a profit and loss by account. Yes. So you have this business, like a client, are you making money or yes. losing money based on the staff that's working on that business from a consultative standpoint? And then yeah. how much money are you, what's the percentage? What's the margins on that account? And then, so if you look at that, those individual broken, like that's not easy to do, but people don't even get that. They're like, yeah, but we have our P&L. I'm like, bro, like this is yeah. not the way to do it and i couldn't do it and, and you know my brother got it done you got it yeah i remember talking with you and him about that and you know that that really speaks to the essence of that outside perspective is is focus right focus and clarity is is really the essence of all coaching whether you need accountability around that or you know some trait but it's always getting focus and clarity so that you can because we're really humans are we're pretty smart and pretty powerful but when we're spread across a thousand different things, the distractions nowadays are more than they've ever been. You know, I I think about like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen with 
with our with our kids and how it just keeps growing exponentially and they'll figure it out i also know that but it's it's um we're we're inundated with thoughts with ideas with tools with things to do with activities with you know all this stuff coaching is should help you get focus and when we have focus we have power just like if you were a little kid playing with a magnifying glass in the sun on a on a hot day you could like you could light something on fire with that magnifying glass because it's now focusing. So your ability to fall, uh, focus, Lamont's ability to focus, Tina's, everybody on the team, if we can focus on that which moves us forward. And, and then internally, if we can focus our own mind on our goals, it kind of brings us full circle, like being obsessed with our goals and our vision for our life. It really just means bringing that into focus every single day. Absolutely. Um, what bit of advice would you give your younger self? Oh, uh, spend give, less give, money give, on crap. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, spend less money on crap. Like save sooner. Yeah. Save sooner. You know, I sold books for those four summers and had pretty good paychecks at the end of the summer. Nothing to show for it. Um, <laughs> Stay out of credit card debt. I would definitely give that advice to myself. It's not to say don't use credit cards. Um, you know, that's between you and whoever, but stay out of credit card debt. We probably don't need half of that which we purchase. Um, I would I would definitely seek out a mentor sooner rather than later. I would ask mm -hmm. for help sooner rather than later. I would ask for, you know, if I don't feel like I have a good vision at 18 because you're 18 or what, however old you are, ask someone, hey, I'd really like to come up with a vision for my life. Can you help me? There are so many people that want to help, ask mm -hmm. for help. Um, or, hey, I have this vision for my life and I don't quite know how to get there. Could you give me some advice or point me in the right direction? Um, so ask for help, get a mentor, um, lock in a vision early. Uh, doesn't mean that has to stay your vision, but just by the nature of having a vision early, uh, absolutely, you're going to go further. Um, I personally believe in like real estate investing. I'm not like a massive investor or anything, but if you can buy a house at, you know, 18 to 20 instead of, you know, 20 to 30 um, or something, maybe you can't afford in your area, but you can afford a little piece of land somewhere else. They're not making any more of it. Um, be entrepreneurial sooner be entrepreneurial sooner. Yeah. Um, and then also be in control of your day and your time sooner. So one of the things that just in the this work, I'm always working with people on, we call it time management. It's not really time management, it's self-management, right? It's how I choose to spend my time. Mm -hmm. um, but a decade can go by really quickly, right? And so if we're not, choosing how we spend our time. It is being spent for us. And I just see a difference in people who just got started sooner. Yeah. So those would be like my daughter. I'll just tell a fun story about my daughter. My daughter, you can find her on averlymakes.com. Little plug okay. for her. But she's 13 and and she's still very much a typical 13-year-old but she is working on her own business and she's now selling her little candles and soaps and scrubs at the farmer's market once a month. And uh, she's using her own money. That's amazing. 
product. Yes. Um, because one of the things that was important to me as a parent is if, uh, if I can teach her, um, we'll call it like social media basics. It's not even like one-on-one level, but a little bit, she's got a Facebook page and she's got a website. We built a little like Wix site and, um, you know, she has to buy the stuff and spend the money and put money aside from her profit. We actually drew some tears the other day. She made $185 at the farmer's market. She had to pay mom. Yeah. But she had to pay me back 70 and then she had to put 40 away for product. Okay. For the next, you know, for more supplies. And she, uh, she cried a little when (laughs) the 185 was really only like 65 in her pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, wait till she hears about taxes. She'll uh, <laughs> <laughs> cry some more because I right? cry every year. <laughs> the idea is like in my mind is if she can learn the ins and outs of like starting a business, running a business, working yeah. hard for the money, seeing the value of a dollar, saving some money, donating some money. Like we, to whom much is given, much is expected. So if we're oh. earning all this money, we're not giving a little bit back to you know, the less fortunate or, or that kind of thing, if we're not investing in our future, then you're going to, you know, there, there's a reason that some, you know, 40, 50% of people are in debt in their 40s and 50s. How, a, a certain number of people don't even have money for retirement. Like yeah. sometimes we make really crappy choices with our money. Um, not to say that there are people definitely <laughs> living paycheck to paycheck. And, and But there's a lot of us who make, you know, there, there's a lot of people making, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year as a family and have nothing in an account for it. And that to me uh-huh. is is a travesty. Um, I'm not sitting on some ivory tower like I'm perfect. I've made a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton of money mistakes, but that would be the thing. Like I want to teach my children to do better younger with yeah. their money. No, that's brilliant because that just gave me an idea for, for my daughter, Raina. So I appreciate that. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I remember our brother, my brother and I, we, we're in like middle elementary school and Jan sports strings were popular with the backboard backpack and they had these strings and we were poor. And so my mom would like make strings. And so we, on our backpacks, which were not Jan sport, we had these shiny gold and silver strings and someone saw it. Our, 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 our one, well, our most popular client, her name was Janelle Browner. And so she's like, hey, how do you get the strings? And they're like, well, for 75, 75 cents, you could get the short one for a dollar. You could get the long one. And our mom would just make them. And then we sold them yeah. for like two weeks. And my brother That's and I awesome. had business. And it's like, but we didn't have the structure that you're putting in place to like really hone those skills. So that's fantastic. Like, I love that. But if um, we can teach these kids to invent, to create, to save, to invest, right? Mm-hmm. Save, save, give, and invest. You can apply that to literally anything. Anything, absolutely. I'm gonna, we're going to end with this one question. Okay. What's the nicest thing someone has ever done for you? Man, I have been, uh, I've been really blessed in my life. I have amazing family and friends. I got to give moms the shout out here, though. Um, my, I since I was eighteen, I've never lived at home. So I did the college thing. Mm. And then I went away to college and then I came back and did the, co- you know, the selling books door to door thing. Um, so my mom has always been out of state right after college. I moved across to the Pacific Northwest. Um, but I had a very rough pregnancy with our now six year old son. 
Um, mm-hmm. I had a massive blood clot. I couldn't walk. I couldn't even sit. Um, mom has always been the one that has dropped everything to fly out to literally help us with anything. I think I got diagnosed with that on a Tuesday. She was in our house on Thursday helping take care of our daughter and you know all the things. Um, mom is amazing. And um, we actually got her moved to Florida now. So she she's so amazing. We actually got her to pick up her entire life in Michigan, which she has been there for 70 years, seven zero. And we got her to move down here to Florida and she's even you know, more helpful. Um, I'd also, probably my husband is just always supportive. Um, I'm a very, uh, I'm always sort of the, the big, like big ideas and, you know, big stuff. And he's kind of the grounded one. So he keeps me grounded, but still, su- you know, supports my big crazy ideas. And, nice. um, but yeah, mom, mom is, mom has been there. And, uh, I hope everybody has someone in their life that just, will drop everything when they're in need and yeah that's incredible thank you for sharing that so um we're gonna roll out so thank you marjorie for being here today uh, awesome. thank you everyone for tuning in to the urban income show i hope you found this episode informative and inspiring um please remember to subscribe to our channel and follow us on social media and i'll see you on the next one